Welcome to the New Abbey Podcast. We are still in our Reclaim series. Today we are reclaiming the idea of being present. Before we get started, the question I have for you all is what is one thing in your life that keeps you from being present? a little story from the book of Luke this morning. We are in the book of Luke chapter 10. The story goes like this. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? I get it. Tell her to come and help me. (laughs) But the Lord said to her, My dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all of these details. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it and will not be taken away from her. So this is the story of Mary Martha. How many of you all heard this story growing up? Like familiar with it, right? Don't be a Martha. And then how many people watched The Handmaid's Tale and are even more scared of now being a Martha? Too soon. Okay. So what's fascinating about this scripture, right, is so sometimes at a church like New Abbey, I get a passage of scripture when I'm preparing, and I'm like, okay, what am I going to do with this, right? But this one's not like that. This one is fairly straightforward. It's not like the transfiguration where you're like, ah, how am I going to make this relevant for 2018? (laughs) So it's a story about someone being present and someone not, right? It's pretty straightforward. And, and I don't know that I am, want to get into too much of what that story means as much as what we've done to that story and what we've done to a lot of stories in the Bible, right? And Corey kind of talked about this early. We live in a world that does this, but we've turned these stories into binaries, right? Like when I was growing up in church, it was like, be a Mary, don't be a Martha. Like your only options were like, you are all Mary or you are all Martha. Our world became part of these binaries, And the older I get, the more I realize that things aren't actually that black and white. And we don't give each other space to hold opposites anymore, right? And this is what I mean by that. I was just at a conference last week, and I was telling Sammy, it felt, it was troubling to me, because I felt like I was in a room with people who couldn't hold um, any joy with their pain, right? They fell into this binary of like, well, if I feel like this is a, like a, a season that is difficult, then I can't actually hold any joy, right? Or I've been, been in seasons where I'm like, if I'm holding joy and it feels good, then I for sure can't let any pain in, right? Or if I'm trying to be present, then I can't acknowledge any anxiety. Or if I'm feeling anxious, then I can't have any presentness. Or if I'm feeling fearful, then I can't be free at all. If I'm feeling free, I can't let fear in, right? This is like, <laughs> this is the world we live in. Or like, if I am a good person, then I'm not bad. And if, I have a li- if I'm a bad person, then I'm not good, right? 
And if you grew up in the evangelical church like I did, I grew up seeing like you are either a good person or you're a bad person. And it's mostly defined by just like five things, which was pretty easy. Like, okay, no drinking, no sex, I'm a good person. Um, And so we have lost this ability to hold opposites, right? And Richard Rohr talks about this idea that that's a little bit what Christ does on the cross is teaching us to hold those opposites. We've lost something about seeing ourselves as these complex beings that don't fit into binaries in so many ways, right? Something as simple as a story of Mary and Martha and the way that our church has taught it shows that, right? Are you Mary or are you Martha? Like, I remember thinking that, like, okay, be Mary, be Martha. Um, And um, a few weeks ago, Corey was talking about the story of the Good Samaritan, right? Which is another story that we took and we were like, who are you in this story? Be the Good Samaritan was like the only way the story was taught. And then I love that we got to have this conversation in here that's like, let's just acknowledge that there's part of us that is the Good Samaritan. And there's part of us that's the person that's beat down on the street. And there's part of us that's the people that walk by. And there's part of us that are all the people in the story. Can we acknowledge that we are complex people and we are not in a binary? Because when we do that and we don't just get to say like, oh, yeah, I'm the Good Samaritan. Well, now we don't have to do anything, right? Or like, oh, I'm just a person, and we don't acknowledge the good in us, right? And so when we get to the story of Mary and Martha, I think to myself all the time, how do we, how do we become people who are, allow ourselves to live in the gray, right? Not the black and the white. How do we learn to hold more opposites in a world that is constantly putting us into binaries, right? So many binaries. Like, I, if you, if you um, I think about this all the time. I'm like, what do I do with the stuff from my old church life that I, like, agreed with or liked? Like, you know what I mean? I'm like, is that, can that be okay? Or, like, is that place just all bad? Like, all these things, because there's this binary of, like, any pain that came from that place, I can't take any of it with me, right? And this is where it starts to get really real and complex when we do this to institutions, we do this to people, and we start to see them in a certain way, Right? These binaries don't only exist internally, they exist externally, right? People become all bad, they become all good, they become all one thing, experiences become all bad, all good, all one thing, right? And so we have this story, and, okay, side note, can I just give one, two random feminist facts about this story that I learned that have nothing to do with my sermon, but I was like, can I fit them in? I'll just say them because the Bible is so progressive. Okay, so one is, It's really wild that in this story, Mary is literally just talking theology in a living room with Jesus. That's very, very wild. And it's like not even a mention of it. It's just like, yeah, that's what they were doing. Like, that's what Jesus did. He just like sat with women in living rooms and talked theology. Okay, feminist fact number one. Number two (laughs) is there's like this commentary on this passage of Jesus saying like, where do I want these women to be? Talking theology with me in a living room, not cooking in the kitchen. I'm just saying... There's nothing wrong with cooking in the kitchen. It's just cool that that's in the Bible. Neither one of those had anything to do with my sermon, but I had to say it, okay? So, speaking of cooking in the kitchen, I'm going to bring it full circle. I'm going to try. So, um, we've got Halloween. Not Halloween. We've got... We've got a holiday coming up. It's Thanksgiving. Um, Since I'm talking about this, I'm talking 
with Sammy, and Sammy will forever be the person that's like, what does any of this actually mean, you know? And I'm like, okay, this is good. Um, how do we bring any of this to the ground level? And so I'm thinking about this story. I'm thinking about what happens on days that bring a little bit of anxiety, a little bit of stress, and how quickly things can turn around, right? I'm thinking about this back and forth that I've done. I remember even sitting here at my wedding, right? At my own wedding, I remember thinking like, like we're at, you know, getting ready upstairs, and I'm like, I wonder what time the donuts will get here. I'm like, why are you thinking about it? It's your wedding day, be present. I'm like, oh yeah. And then I'm like present, and then I'm like, huh, I wonder if the person's gonna be here who's bringing the flowers. How are they gonna get back to our house? I'm like, don't think about that, it's your wedding. I'm like, oh yeah, okay. Because um, that's just what we do. And so we're coming up on a holiday. Um, we're coming up on an interesting holiday, right? Because all holidays are interesting in this political climate. And um, there's probably a lot of feelings in this room, right, as we go into Thanksgiving. Some people are like really stoked to go and spend time with their family because they haven't seen their family and they love their family, and that's awesome. And some people are like, you know what, we're not gonna do this thing with our family, and we're creating our own like friend group, our chosen family, and that's awesome. And some people are gonna go back with their family who they love, but it's gonna be a little bit tense, and some people are just straight up dreading it, right? Some people are literally in here are just like, I just wanna get to dessert without someone bringing up Donald Trump I get it, right? So some of us, home is a beautiful place. For some of us, home is a traumatic place. Whatever this means, we have this day coming up that exemplifies this, right? And I was watching this show on Netflix called Ugly Delicious. Anyone? David Chang fans? Okay. Two. Awesome. Three. Okay. He's really doing well. So um, he has this Thanksgiving episode. It's so fascinating to me because he's a chef. So he's like a really good, famous chef. And um, I mean, only three people in here know him, but he's really famous. And um, in the chef world that I'm not a part of. So um, he goes home for Thanksgiving, and he talks about how he has sort of a tense relationship with his brothers and, and some of these things. Um, but he's going to go home, and he's going to do Thanksgiving with his family, and he's going to cook for his family. And it's like this kind of sentimental episode. And then as I'm watching the episode, I realize he never actually was with his family at all because he was cooking like the whole time. And then like later, very sweetly, he like confesses to the producers. He's like, yeah, I think I did that. And I think I like offered to cook so that I wouldn't have to deal with like the awkwardness of like being around family that I haven't seen or, you know what I mean? And I was just like, oh my gosh, David Chang, Martha, I get it. <laughs> Cause there's this reality of not wanting to hold opposites, right? Like, what does it mean to go home and see family that you love and so vehemently disagree with? Like, you're happy to see them, but you don't want them to say anything? Like, is that, I don't know if that resonates with anyone. Like, gosh, I really miss you. You drive me nuts. Um, but we get to hold those opposites, right? That's our invitation. Um, and so what I'm going to invite us to do in a moment is um, something super practical. As we think about this story, as we think about being able to hold opposites as not putting ourselves into a binary, realizing that there's a little bit of Mary, a little bit of Martha, a little bit of Good Samaritan, a little bit of beat up guy in all of us, right? How do we now try to be aware of what's going on? So we're going to do a simple practice. It's called setting an intention. And we're all going to, in here, set an intention for Thanksgiving. We're going to set a very practical thing um, my favorite part about this passage is at the very end, it says, you know, Mary has chosen right and it will not be taken away from her. When you think about the things that can't be taken away from you, what are they? They're moments, right? They're experiences. 
A lot of what keeps us distracted in life are things that can be taken away. Moments that we remember, experiences that we have, feelings that we are present with cannot be taken away. No one can take away your feelings. No one can take away your experiences. These are things that you get to have, right? I was just talking with someone. If you're in this room, I'm sorry if I didn't know it was you, but I was talking to someone. Maybe they're in this room, maybe they're not. Um, And they were saying um, that they spend all their money for presents on things that can't be stolen. Like, that's their family rule, right? So they go on trips, they go out to meals, things that can't be stolen. And I'm like, I love that, right? And that's what Jesus is talking about in this passage, of things that are really important are things that can't be stolen, things that can't be taken away from you, right? No one gets to take away that conversation that Mary had with Jesus. They can say what they want about women, they can say what they want about the church, but she has that moment, that experience. And so as we go into this day... I just thought it'd be nice if we just got to set an intention, right? What's something you can do that you want to hold on to that can't be taken away from you, right? Sammy and I set our intention for this Thanksgiving, and we called our parents, and we were like, how do you feel about this if we limit the amount of TV we watch on Thanksgiving? Let's go on one walk, and let's go on one, we're going to the pool, because California, right? Let's start the morning with a Like, let's just set a very simple intention for something that can't be taken away, right? Something that you can have and you can look at and can remind yourself of, like, this is the intention I set for this day. This day that is a fake holiday made up about something that didn't happen, but, um, <laughs> but can be used as a tool to think about gratitude and things we're thankful for. So let's set a very clear intention of how do we remind ourselves to be grateful? How do we set an intention for something that can't be taken away? And how do we remind ourselves that it's okay if we hold opposites? It's okay if we feel anxious and we feel excited. It's okay if we feel joy and we feel pain. It's okay if we feel things that we feel are opposite. How do we remind ourselves to be present in those feelings, right? Richard Rohr says that wisdom is the freedom to be fully present in your life, right? It's the freedom to be fully present. That's what we're trying to create. That's what Jesus is telling us in the scripture. You have the freedom to be fully present in a moment, to not worry about all the things that will get done, and you will no doubt worry about all the things that need to get done, but how do we bring ourselves back, right? So we're going to take a few minutes. You have a post-it on your chair. Um, If you don't have a pen, you can grab one from the table, or you can write it in your phone. Um, We're just going to take a minute and set some intentions. some intentions for Thanksgiving. It's such a thing that soul cycle instructors say so much that I just started figuring out. Every time I get in class and they're like, set your intention for this riot, and I'm like, calories? What is the? <laughs> but there's this idea this, that I am becoming more aware of that I'm loving about, we have to get practical with how we remind ourselves to be present or literally everything around us is begging for us to go numb. In our pocket, we have a device that we can just for hours do nothing on. That is with us all the time, right? That is next level distraction. Martha was like making food at least, right? We could just be on Instagram. There's nothing even, no fruit comes from that. 
Um, and so I love like this season of getting into the practice of reminding myself to be present and very practically reminding myself to be present because I know I won't, right? There are so many things I would rather avoid. I'm a good Enneagram 7. If it's pain, I don't want it. Um, but before we wrap, I want to read this quote from our queen mother, Michelle Obama. Um, <laughs> this is from her, her new book, Becoming. Um, and it speaks to me so much. She says this, for me, becoming isn't about arriving somewhere or achieving a certain aim. I see it instead as forward motion, a means of evolving, a way to reach continuously toward a better self. The journey doesn't end. I became a mother, but I still have a lot to learn from and give to my children. I became a wife, but I continue to adapt to be and be humbled by what it means to truly love and make a life with another person. I have become, by certain measures, a person of power, and yet there are moments still when I feel insecure or unheard. It's all a process, steps along a path. Becoming requires equal parts patience and rigor. Becoming is never giving up on the idea that there is more growing to be done. Raise your hand if you miss her. <laughs> um, <laughs> but this is it, right? This is, this is the journey that we're all on. It's not about are you a Mary or are you a Martha. It's about are you reminding yourself continuously in each new season of life what it means to be present with the realities of that season. There is always growing and evolving to be done. So you're going to get back with your groups and you're going to simply share your intention with one another. What did you write on the post-it? What are things that you want to create that can't be taken away? If you don't like that or you didn't write anything or it's confusing, just talk about what you're feeling. Enjoy. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the New Abbey podcast. For more information, visit us on the web at www.newabbey.org.